This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name is Ricardo. My name is Sam. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. so-called genre post-hardcore can be best described as a form of punk rock that utilizes the attitude and aggression of punk with more melody and possibly more technical skill however post-hardcore has been used to describe so many different bands and genres to come out of punk that it becomes pretty hard to actually define so tonight we have taken a bunch of bands and genres that we think kind of fit this mold and we aim to poorly explain how they fit in I think it can be argued that Fugazi were the right band in the right place at possibly the wrong time. The influential Washington Quartet arrived at a strange time in hardcore when the genre was undecided about how to progress into the final decade of the 20th century, and everything that Fugazi brought to the table screamed post. Their sound was detached and disaffected, which was right up the alley of alternative rock tastes circa 1990, exposing them to a more mainstream audience than many of their peers. The principles of hardcore music had never been this accessible before, and very rarely since. Fugazi's legendary debut album, Repeater, imagines an alternative evolution of American hardcore, where melody and emotional honesty was held in an equal regard to power and intensity. Many of the artists on tonight's episode have gone out of their way to cite Fugazi's influence and dozens more besides. Clearly, they were doing something right. From Repeater, this is Fugazi with Repeater.
Minutemen were, for the most part, a punk band, but there was something different and ahead of their time about the band that led them to being labelled in later years as post-punk, or more accurately, post-hardcore. Their third album, Double Nickels on the Dime, is actually credited as being one of the originators of post-hardcore, or at least laying the groundwork for what it would become. Logic would dictate that I'd then play something off this album. And now this is when I'm meant to say, but... But, that's actually, for once, exactly what I'm going to do. The song Corona may not sound anything like what post-hardcore would become, but it's a fun song, and very familiar for some reason. Hardcore was getting its second wind in the late 90s, and of that era there aren't many bands who were more exceptional than Sweden's Refused. I would like to nominate their landmark album from 1998 as having one of the best bad album titles of all time. The Shape of Punk to Come, a chimerical abomination in 12 bursts. Yeah, let that collection of words sink in for a moment. The album has gained a substantial cult following in the years since it's released, and the band's Dissolution, which in many ways endorsed the incoming Screamo movement. The Shape of Punk to Come is probably best known for the single New Noise, which got significant rotation on late night music TV back when there was such a thing. The song was even covered by Anthrax in 2011, which is a fairly hefty endorsement from heavy metal's orthodoxy. Refuse made a cautious return in 2017, but their post-hiatus work has yet to live up to the raw energy and staying power of The Shape of Punk to Come, or indeed, this next song, 
new noise.
well it's pretty much accepted that the whole emo thing is a big part of post-hardcore which raises even more questions about the legitimacy of it as a genre the actual genres that i at least see as being a direct result of post-hardcore are all of the other core genres deathcore mathcore rapcore nintendo core yes that's a real thing and of course metalcore among others these are the subgenres that, even more than new metal, has metal elitists calling not real metal. And yeah, I kind of agree. They aren't pure metal at all, due to their roots in punk and hardcore. One of the absolute titans of metalcore is Australia's Parkway Drive, who I will admit I never really got into when post-hardcore and emo were blowing up because of the fact that my emo friends seemed to like them, and I did not want to listen to that. But they aren't at all emo, they're pretty much the textbook definition of what metalcore is, at its core. Blast beats, heavy but simple guitar riffs, breakdowns, and extremely aggressive vocals, they're all here. This sort of thing, more than emo, is really what we should be looking at when we look at post-hardcore. Not because it's necessarily better than emo, but because it's actually a musical genre. This is Vice Grip. Yeah. <laughs> 
Verger a post-hardcore band for the simple reason they outgrew the limitations of hardcore a very long time ago. By 2009, in the release of their excellent Axed Fall record, Converge were confident enough in who they were to really run wild creatively. This album is either famous or infamous, depending on your perspective, for the last few tracks, where Steve Von Till from Neurosis leads the band through a Tom Waits-like power dirge. This might not have been everybody's cup of tea, but it was very much my cup of tea. And besides, Axe to Fall still has some seriously heavy songs, such as Damages, which I'll be playing in just a moment. As of the time of this recording, Converge have only just released a collaborative album with Chelsea Wolfe, and it might prove to be their most ambitious record yet. Watch the space, but for now, this is Damages. <laughs> Thank you. 
know that old overused meme from a while back that shows a picture of Will Smith proudly gesturing to Jada Pinkett Smith, kind of showing her off in that exaggerated manner? Okay, so whenever people were telling me about Parkway Drive and how heavy and brutal and blah, blah, blah they were, I was mentally doing that while gesturing towards the, the Dillinger escape plan. Because to me, these guys are the best of metalcore. I've grown a little less fond of them over time, but the point here is that when looking to what heavier post-hardcore is, we should all be mentally gesturing towards Dillinger Escape Plan as the best example. Because while they might not really be as metalcore as Parkway Drivers, they cover a lot more ground. They've got metalcore, they've got mathcore, progcore, and grindcore covered on the post-hardcore side of things. And aside from this, they're just in general a better band, because we do love us a little bit of prog metal. I'm actually unsure as to why we haven't featured them before. It might have to happen soon. Uh, Black Bubblegum? Enjoy.
felt as though I had to drive and were perhaps a little too esoteric, a little too wordy for the hardcore crowd of the late 90s. The stream of conscious lyrics, art punk leanings and textured freakouts likely alienated as many fans as it attracted. Many people's first experience to ATDI, myself included, was seeing a writhing, wide-eyed dude muttering about Sputnik sickles on the video for the band's breakthrough single, One-Armed Scissor. This track became a staple of alternative and student radio, ushering the group into a temporary, if ill-fitting, popularity. Just 15 months later, At The Drive-In had broken up, fractured under the pressure of touring and artistic differences. Knowing what we know now about Cedric and Omar, including but not limited to their work in Mars Volta, it feels a little weird going back and listening to them trying to make their shtick work as a post-hardcore band. After the breakup, the other three members of At The Drive-In formed the adequate but extremely unexceptional Sparta, which was more in line with the climate of post-hardcore in the early 2000s. Remember their smash hit, Cut Your Ribbon? No, neither do I, and I own their bloody album. But back to At The Drive-In for a moment. From Relationship of Command, this is Enfilade. Enfilade, Enfilade.
One day we are going to do an entire episode about emo and trying to find the bands we actually like so that we can defend them. For now though, I've spoken about AFI before and where they fit into that label, but here's a quick rundown. Their early work was punk. They then transitioned into emo and post-hardcore, then to goth rock, pop rock, and back to goth rock. So yeah, it would be fair to call them a post-hardcore band, I guess. Specifically, their albums Sing the Sorrow and December Underground, which came out when Emo was at its peak. Songs like Miss Murder and Girls Not Grey helped to forever label them as an emo band. And I'll say it again, I love this band and I hate that label. So, yeah, I'm, okay, I'm just going to stop. These were both great albums and both of the songs were actually really good. But the standout from this whole era of the band is Sing the Sorrow's Silver and Cold.
In 2003, an acquaintance lent me an album by his new favourite band. It was a different time. People did stuff like lending CDs back then. The album was loud and chaotic, and frankly, I didn't quite know how to respond to the napalm strike of music it contained. That album was called Burn Piano Island Burn, and it was their third record from Seattle post-hardcore band The Blood Brothers. Their take on the genre was brash, bratty, and very pitchy. Not as chaotic, perhaps, as The Locust, yet not as comforting and knowable as Finch or Thrice. But it was also very memorable. Despite breaking up in 2007, several members of the group are still active musicians to this day, and the influence that Blood Brothers had on a certain flavour of hyperactive hardcore will not easily be forgotten. And from Blood Brothers, this is the title track to Burn Piano Island Burn. Oh, yeah. 
Butcher babies get a lot of hate for the same reason the core genres do. They aren't really pure metal, whatever that is. They're actually pretty hard to define, but so is post-hardcore, right? They always have had the attitude and aggression of punk, but seem more willing to experiment with what that means. And of course, like to get heavier than your regular punk. Plus, they have a whole lot of horror imagery, along with the whole shock rock thing, especially early in their career with their Wendy O. Williams tributes. Carla Harvey and Heidi Shepard, the dual frontwoman of the band, are a combined force of nature, and have proven time and time again that they're better than they get credit for. I generally include them in the metalcore thing, but even then that's not quite right. So let's stick with heavy post-hardcore. Eh? This is I Smell a Massacre. <laughs>
What often happens when confronted by a new band with just their debut album to go off is that you can't be sure if this is going to be an accurate reflection of their future efforts. So even though they have very rapidly escaped the orbit of that first album, in another dimension, Black Midi's Schlagenheim could have been the shot in the arm that the genre of post-hardcore desperately needed. Who would have guessed that just two years later the band would have detoured into the pastiche of residence and zapper worship that was Cavalcade? So since we have no earthly way of knowing whether this artful post-hardcore mode was merely a passing phase, or something that the band will return to in the future, for now we should just appreciate Schlagenheim for what it was. A bunch of young art school dudes just trying to be heavy and weird. This is Near DTMI. It's about the water issues in Flint, Michigan, by the way. say that I can't stand shoegaze but you know what it's fine it's not my thing but it's okay black gaze however the bastard love child of shoegaze and black metal is so incredibly weird as a concept that I at least find it interesting this is also the other direction away from metalcore where post-hardcore has really had the potential to find itself and no band fits the black gaze bill more than deaf heaven these guys are weird. I'm still unsure if I'm really a fan, but there is something fascinating about their sound. And I do always love it when a band is willing to drastically experiment with their sound. With a catalogue exploring emo, the label I hate even more, and screamo, 
black gaze, shoegaze, noise, and straight-up black metal, Death Heaven never seemed to be satisfied with sticking to any one sound. So really, in theory, if you like any of the more bleak derivatives of post-hardcore, you should find something here that you like. For now, though, we are going for a track from their most recent and most chill album, Infinite Granite. you once again for joining us in our look at post hardcore and if you like what you heard jump on to spotify and check out a bunch of our old episodes there's a whole lot waiting for you and since you're coming back next week tune in as sam and i put aside our anarcho anti-monarchist sentiments as we briefly celebrate music royalty god save the kings and queens i guess we'll see you then
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.